With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast. Episode 122, supported by Blue Collar Street Food. Um, If you want positives in your ears and in your life, I really, really think you're going to struggle with this episode because that was an absolutely shambolic display last night from, I would say, everyone involved with Reading Football Club. Uh, My name is Paul Mann. I will be hosting the show today. I've been joined by Alex Everson. Alex, how do you sum up that game? I mean, wow. I mean, sum it up in a few words would be very difficult but um yeah the anger and resentment and just general disappointment coming out of last night is uh it's not even new that's the worst thing it it, it's a very continued kind of theme of the last three four five years where we've turned up and i don't know didn't even expect to win yesterday but you've turned up and you've seen a just a gutless performance which with no real quality no desire no urgency no plan and it just was complete shambles from start to finish yeah um off the pitch with the manager i think he had a shocker with his selections which is going to come on to now on the pitch i can't really find many positives at all apart from well no i can't really find many positives at all there just isn't no, there isn't. There isn't. I tried to be positive, but there isn't any there, is there? The most positive thing about last night was the full-time whistle because it was horrible, absolutely horrible. But going back to the beginning of the match, we made three changes. We saw Ovi Ajaria come back in the team. We saw Sam Boldup come in for Puskas, who was down to an injury to his knee, but he was still on the bench. We'll come to that later. That's just baffling as well how he's there. And we saw Araruna come in for Rinomoto. Now, Araruna has come in from Brazilian football and he looks completely out of his depth at the moment. He's lost. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, on the ball, he may have some technical ability, but physically he is just nowhere near the speed, nowhere near the strength, just completely off the pace. Um, And I mean, he just, I said it yesterday night and he looks like a competition winner to me. It, it, it looks like one of those pre-season fan competitions where someone's come in and said, oh, win a chance to play in a friendly, except it's a league game and he's now played three games and every single time he gets bullied off the ball and really doesn't... I don't, I don't see what he's doing on the field ahead of someone like Rinomota. Um So to see Rinomota dropped out yesterday was a, a, a bit of a surprise considering from all reports... He was one of our better players on, on Saturday, especially during the first half when he was practically marking Calvin Phillips out of the game. Yeah, I mean, I was there at Leeds and I cannot understand why Rinomoto was not starting last night for a second. Um, unless he's got some unknown injury that I have, nobody knows about. There seems to be absolutely he, no logic to playing Araruna. Like you say, he looks lightweight. 
he kind of disappears in the game completely. He has got some technical ability, but in the championship, he it just is not good enough. Not good enough at all, especially when you have Rinomoto on the bench. And the, the, the thing with Rinomoto is he's really struggled to hold down a place all season. It's not just been last night. He, he's been in and out of the side all season. He's never. I don't think he's had a run of games of more than maybe three or four where he's been picked every week and, and had you know 90 minutes. He's been on the bench a lot and in and around the squad, but... I don't see what he what he has to do to make the squad or what he has to do to make the first team currently because there's no logical reason to be leaving him out currently because he's he's proving when he's playing that he's more than good enough. So unless something in training which says to Bowen that Rinomoto is so much uh, you know, so much lower quality, then I don't see what the reason to leave him out would be. I, I, I can't understand the, the decision behind that one at all. Um and then, of course, we had um, Baldock coming for Pushkas, which seems like it was kind of a forced change. Um, I, I, I don't really mind the change as, as that much. I guess it's if you, if you don't, we didn't really have much of a choice but to push Baldock up front. Um, my issue with it comes with the fact that we ended up playing four four two last night, or some kind of weird version of four four two with four central midfielders. Um, it, it doesn't it doesn't really work when you've got Bulldog and Mate trying to chase onto long balls. It, it doesn't doesn't make sense to me. No, it, it totally, as we've discussed before, we've gotten zero wingers in our squad. And the idea of playing all those midfielders, whoever you're gonna play on the wing last night, it was not gonna work for them because they are not wingers and that's the specific skill. You put Ajari in there and Aruna was there as well in the first half. It just doesn't make any sense at all what you're doing there. I mean, you've got to play a different formation to a 4-4-2 four, four, or whatever it was, a 4-4-1-1. Four, four, one, one. It didn't work. It didn't even come close to working. Some of the players in the first half, though, I mean, Wigan came with intensity and tempo that we got nowhere near during the whole game. We got away with it until they scored their first goal through Kiefer Moore, which you got to say is a fantastic finish from him. But he gets down the side so easily. Ajaria doesn't get a tackling. He's, you don't really associate that with him, his skill. But Liam Moore's too kind of close to him, and then he gets away from him. Kiefer Moore. Um, you're not Sean Raphael for the goal, Alex. What do no, you think of that? I mean, I, I do think it's a great finish. Don't get me wrong. Um and I think Liam Moore loses his man too easily in the box. And it's not the first time it's happened. It's happened it happened against Hull as well. But to me, watching the replay back a few times now, I don't I don't really buy that it was an um, amazing goal. I, I think Raphael, it has gone literally right past Raphael's hand. I mean, I, I had a look at the replay. It's a brilliant flip, though. It is a really good finish. Um, yeah, it, there's no no denying that. It is a really good finish. And it's a cracking, cracking, uh, cracking goal. I, I just think that Raphael could save it. Um, and it is something that you and I, I listened to a podcast on Saturday. It's something that you and you and Eric were speaking about about how Raphael is a fine keeper, but he's not. He's never going to make these spectacular saves. And I, I feel like even if he'd saved that last night, I wouldn't have labelled it a spectacular save. It appeared like it was right next to him, and I didn't really think it had that much pace. It kind of reminded me of Danny Loder's goal against um, was it Blackpool. 
Yes, yeah, that was the one. Yeah, when he yeah, it went right off the post though, didn't it? Yes, and slower. Yeah, the one yesterday was a it was a slightly quicker flick, but it it wasn't placed in the corner particularly. It kind of went straight past Raphael. So I do think he might have been able to do better with it, but um, yeah, I I mean after that, Wigan had the game pretty much sewn up, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I don't think it's unfair. I mean, uh, yeah, I think there's a little bit harsh on Raphael, but I can see what you're saying. It's very central when it goes in, and there is a distance between the two. I it's think not... my, my main issue with Raphael is that I don't really think he, I don't really think he's going to ever win as a game. I don't think he's ever going to save us any points particularly. I think he's just he's fine. He's just fine, and that's it. Um, and maybe I'm expecting too much because we've seen however many good keepers we've seen over the last decade or so. But I just don't see... I don't think his shot-stopping is actually all that good. Um, and I think he was brought in mainly because he can... Or mainly because he had a reputation, at least, to be able to play with his feet. But even that, I, I kind of don't necessarily buy into. I've, I think we've seen some pretty ropey distribution for him in this season. and um, I, think he, I think maybe he gets away with a... I think he gets away with a little bit of um, a less battered reputation, shall we say, in some games. Um, and the defence takes on a little bit more flack. Um, however, I, I, I didn't watch the second half, to be honest. I, I was gone with 25 minutes to go once they got their second goal. Um, but I did see a lot of people saying that Raphael pretty much kept that score to three. So maybe I'm missing like an incredibly, you know, Incredibly good period in the last twenty minutes. There, he did make a couple of good saves. Yeah, Yeah. uh, definitely that kept the scoreline down, which is really depressing when you think about it. Pele last night. I don't know what was going on with his legs last night. He was just really poor. That was by far the worst match I've seen from him. He played exception. Well, he played exceptionally well going forward against Leeds. Defensively, you can point out all the things about the goal that we conceded. But what was going on with him last night? He was terrible. Well, he was, yeah, he was very poor on the ball. He was, he gave the ball away a lot from short, simple passes. And I think he was playing in a position which wasn't familiar to him as well. Bowen's asked yeah, him to play. Yeah, but basic stuff he was getting wrong. It, it was basic stuff, mainly, yeah, yeah which he was, he was really getting wrong. Um, but he, he was, he was showing for the ball from the defence, but then... As soon as he was put under pressure, he just went. He either went backwards or he was losing the ball in our own half. Um, I mean, he was. It doesn't surprise me that he was taken off at half time. He, that was a one of the worst forty-five minutes of football I've seen from a from a Reading player in a long time. Um, yeah, he, I, I don't think he did anything. I don't think he did anything right at all. I, I mean, I haven't seen any kind of like stats or anything like that about the game from last night but I've got to imagine that his passing must be somewhere down 50% it, it was abysmal um, yeah it definitely was and it, you've got a question you've got a question as well whether he's actually going to stay in the team for, for Saturday if we're playing another home game uh, against a team realistically which are, they're not they don't they don't play similar to Wigan but at the same time they're in a similar kind of league position um, and you would hope that Reading I mean after last night, who knows? But you would have hoped that Reading would take the game to them a bit. Do you really need Pele to sit in that midfield too? Like, no, it, we don't play two. You cannot no. play the same formation. You just cannot. Uh, that it, was it just doesn't make sense at all. No, 
No, you can't do that. Um, one player I thought was okay-ish in the first half, I thought was Swift. It was not um, a really great performance, let's not pretend that, but I thought he was acceptable in that first half, considering the dross that was around him. At least he was trying to make things happen, get the ball. I mean, he was passing the players and they couldn't control it. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think Swift was willing to take the ball on. He at least showed for the ball. He did move for the ball. Um, there was a period in the first, I can't remember how long into the first half it was, but it was a period in the first half when the ball was down by the um, the away fans' corner. And Ajari has won the, uh, got the ball out wide. He's knocked it into Swift, like on the corner of the penalty box. And you, you're screaming at Ajaria to make a move and actually give Swift some kind of option because Swift, he can he can move the ball himself, but you need some movement. There's, there was Everybody was very static. And we can't, you can't just expect Swift to play through the lines if there's no kind of movement in between them. Um, so, yeah, uh, Swift was the best of a bad bunch, I would say. He was not good, but, um, yeah, he was willing to at least try to take the ball on and, and, and try and make some kind of uh, play with the ball. Yeah, I but the kind of what topped it off is at half time. Okay. He brings on Charlie Adam and then moves Swift further back. Now we're in a game that we actually have to get something from. We're behind in the game. Now Charlie Adam for me was pretty I mean, Charlie Adam has done some good things this season. But in that second half last night, virtually nothing came off for him at all. There was one shot right towards the end, which you wouldn't have seen, Alex, when Boldock must score. But oh, that was about, yeah. Yeah, that was about all that happened for him last night. Merkel Elise also come on at half time. Uh, Merkel Elise played really well in the first half against Leeds on Saturday. He did okay last night. It's not his position. It's not his um, fault that we lost the game at all in any way. At least he tried to make things happen, but he wasn't great as well. Um I just don't know what Mark Bowen was doing last night with the tactics at any point. I cannot understand how we actually managed to finish the game with a substitute that we didn't use. No, uh, I find that especially with 2 0 down with 25 minutes to go. And you've got players, you've got players on the bench who could at least change the change the style, try and change the tempo of the game. But there was nothing, there was no kind of reaction. There was no, there was no change. We had maybe a five, ten minute spell when we were one nil down in the second half where we put Wigan under a little bit of pressure. We didn't really, we had two shots from outside the box. We didn't really create anything during that time. But we at least held the ball a bit. Um, but apart from that, there was, there was nothing, there was no kind of uh, change. There was no kind of like look to try and change the formation, change the style from, from Bowen. It was just give it back to Morrison. The first half was give it back to Morrison who would knock it long into the channels. And then the second half was drop it back to Charlie Adam, who would knock it long into the channels. It like there was no kind of change of plan. That that isn't a game plan just to knock it long for two central midfielders who are playing wide. Um, so yeah, the, I, I the second half was not. It wasn't really an improvement. It was just a different variation on the same shit we had in the first half. Yeah, Michael Morrison last night was struggling. He was struggling with the lack of movement in front of him as well. There was nothing like there was nothing to hit. No, I felt like he's getting stick from the crowd throughout. Okay, that's everyone can do that sort of them what they do. But wow, um, 
it was just so static. You do not have to be kind of the greatest football manager to see where the issue was lying for Michael Morrison there. He had nothing, nothing no. at all. And, and the issue is when he, did, when he did go short to players like Pelé, Pelé was losing the ball. Yeah, because so what does he do? So he's like, he can either go into the centre, into Swift or, or Pelé, and they're getting pressured straight away, or he knocks it long to Mate, who I didn't even realise was on the field last night. I'm not sure he touched the ball more than maybe 15 times in the entire game. Um, Ajaria, who frankly was just dire last night, and Araruna, who clearly isn't a right midfielder. Um, I don't really see what Morrison, although Morrison's going to take some flack for knocking the ball long, he can't, what's he, where's he meant to put it? Like, it's very, it's a very difficult one um, to, to blame him too much for it, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but, you know, I can understand frustration from the fans because it was rubbish. The, the whole thing was this dive from the first minute. You could see that we weren't up for it. So then in the 67th minute, Wigan get their second goal through Jamal Lowe. Uh, cross comes into the box. I would say not a great clearing header from Liam Moore, but not a disastrous one. Not one when he's kind of just headed it a yard away. But Jamal Lowe... It's gone out to the edge of the box at least, hasn't it? Yeah, so. yeah. It's, it's not a disastrous one. And then he smashes it in past Raphael. Raphael's got no chance with that one at all. You, we could have all left at that point quite easily and we all knew that nothing good was going to come from this evening at all. Um, it was so frustrating watching it because it just think that we could still be there now and they would not score. It's I'm just like, still a target by this point. Still. <laughs> no, it was just terrible. And then we see another good save from Raphael in the 70th minute, but... <sighs> I don't know. There's frustration was building completely throughout the stadium. And Elise has a shot, but just nothing happening at all. And to sum it up, then a full kind of like, I don't know how Bulldog misses this chance. A shot comes in from uh, Charlie Adams on the edge of the penalty area. The goalkeeper kind of like parries it away. Now, Bulldog, all he has to do, I mean, say all he has to do, this makes it sound simple, is just dink it over him probably. But somehow yeah, he manages to finish, isn't it? First, he, he just needs a first-time finish, and he's what ten yards out. Yeah, he, he shouldn't. He sh- it doesn't. It doesn't take a clinical striker to be able to put that in the back of the net, really. No, and if Puskas misses up chance, we give him a load of stick. So I think it's only fair that the other person gets it as well. Um, but you never know. If we get that goal in the 85th minute, two-one, Wigan, they will be feeling the pressure there. I know. It's really massively clutching its draws. But we've seen stranger things happen, haven't we, Alex? Last season. Yeah, last Wigan season. Was great of Wigan when, yeah. uh, well, obviously, we played awfully in that game against Wigan last season as well. And it still ended up coming away with a victory. So, stranger things have happened. If we had scored then, yeah, there is still going to be, what, six, seven minutes, eight minutes to go. It's not, it's not likely that we're going to end up getting a result out of it. But you can throw some players forward and... You never know. Maybe you get a lucky knockdown or something, and and claim a draw out of a result that you wouldn't have would never you would never have expected to. Um, but if your if your strikers don't finish the you know the one or two chances that we actually managed to create in the game, then it doesn't. It's not going to matter. 
No. And then in the 92nd, Baldock then misses another really good chance, which wouldn't have mattered by that point. The game was done. But Shea Dunkley gets stretched off, which looked like a really nasty injury for the Wigan player there. I'm not quite sure how it happens because I haven't seen it back. I think the Wigan player collides with his own player at that point. So really, you know, good wishes to him. They look like a really horrible one. But even though Wigan only had 10 men, one of the players has been stretched off. They still managed to score another goal. Now, that goal for me summed up the whole of the evening. Our defenders are just jogging back. Just jogging back. They've, they've given up, haven't they? They've yes. given up by that yeah. point. It's more and... Is it Yeardham, I think? Yeah. More and... I think so. I'm not sure if it's Yeardham. I know it's more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, more and Richard, sorry, who are jogging yeah. back. Yeardham gets beaten on the on the, on the the far touchline. Um, and it's a, another good finish, to be fair, to the, finish, the Wigan yeah. player. But... Um, Disregarding the finish, the the problem is it's it's just lazy. It, it's so lazy, and it comes across as very lazy as well. We all know the game is over. We all know that we've lost the game, but you still need to appear to be putting the effort in. And and it's something that um, Eddie Williams raised on uh, Berkshire, BBC Berkshire last night about even even though we were two 0 down, Bowen at least needs to appear to do something. The, the players have exactly the same responsibility. You still need to be appearing to at least try to, to, to look like you're doing something to try and change the game. Even if it is the 96th minute, 97th minute, you need to be putting the effort in. Um, and the fact that they're not is, honestly, it's not all that surprising. There's been so many instances over the last few years where we've turned up and seen teams kind of just give up and, and roll over. Um, when when Reading are playing at home and it's become one of the I guess continuing themes over the last few years of which there are we've had numerous people to I guess put blame into whether it's been different managers or different players different owners whatever the situation is but um, yeah I'm I would say growing concerns about Liam Moore I've got at the minute I, I think there's a definite continuing theme that actually when he plays our defence is only ever sometimes good when we're doing well but as soon as we do badly we capitulate under him um, and I don't as much as the guy seems to be a, a really nice guy and has done you know comes across like a Complete, uh, complete gent. I don't really know if he's made out to be a to be a captain. Particularly, he's he doesn't seem to take the game by the scruff of the neck. Particularly yesterday when we were one 0 down and there was a Wigan injury in the first half. That was the kind of time that you want a captain to step up and tell players to start doing your job. Like this isn't acceptable. We shouldn't be we shouldn't be struggling to create a chance against a team who've got one of the poorer defense poorest defenses in the league at home. Um, and you didn't see it. You didn't see. Maybe there was something at half time, but you didn't see that reaction come out in the second half. And to me, it's just a reflection of there's not enough leadership on the field, despite the fact that we're told that plenty of players are experienced and their leadership, their leaders. I don't know if it actually ever comes across. You don't see any of them leading the team. No. Um, 
Yeah, there's a definite issue, isn't there? You've got to look at what they were saying before the game, after the game, sorry, uh, uh, Leeds at the weekend, and uh, Liam Moore was saying that we have to be ready for this game, we have to be up for this game, we have to be prepared for whatever we're going to get to throw at us. It was the complete opposite. This we were totally it's shocked. Talk, isn't it, Paul? It's all talk. It's yeah. all talk. No, no, I know, I know. I've seen it so many it, times in Europe as well. Heard it so, yeah, we've all heard it now for the past, I don't know, three, three and a half years. Every time we have a bad result or a manager gets sacked, players the, we get a little army of players come out and say, "Oh, it's our fault," and you know we haven't managed to do justice to the manager and this, that, and the other. And it's like at some point you guys are going to have to like you know either step up or leave because it's uh, frankly the the fact the fact is fans aren't coming to the games at the minute. I read yesterday there was only seven thousand people there, and. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I have no idea how many left by full time, but I can't imagine it was many more than a couple of thousand. Yeah, I think uh, it was only um, uh, a few other lunatics and me there by full time. And uh, I think main thing I stayed there was so I could do the podcast, so I couldn't miss any glorious, glorious moments of that match. Just in case. <laughs> well, I got to see the, the, the wonderful third goal and oh dear me, oh, did I enjoy that? I really did. So... I don't really know where we go because um, I asked if anyone's got like any thoughts on last night and the Suburban Badger has got onto us on Twitter. And I think he sums it up really well. It strikes me that Mark Byrne doesn't know his best uh, 11 still. What's concerned is that even now you dare not bet on who's starting regardless of the previous game. For example, I heard nothing but positives for Elisa where it leads, yet he doesn't start the next game. Um... I I I'd agree. Really? I don't think yeah. he knows the best eleven, and I, but uh, I I don't think any of I don't think any of our fans know our best eleven either. No, no, that is yeah because it's so erratic, and that is the problem. We've seen this under Gomez, Clement, Stam in his last season. This is not a new trend. If you say mm. to them what was your best eleven, you'll know maybe we Five had a golden or six perhaps. Yeah, but we had a golden period in December, during into the first of January when that team stayed the same because they were winning every single match and playing pretty well, actually. Um, But that's it. It lasts for about a month at most. We cannot, we consistently drop off after we've put put together three or four matches. And that's happened over all those managers. This is not a new trend. And we are back almost to where we are every single season now, which is in a relegation fight. And Mark Bowen saying afterwards, we are not in that fight. I do not believe that for a minute. We are five points away from relegation with over 10 games left. How can that be right? That's not right, is it? Uh, yeah, I I would say we're definitely in and around it now, for sure. Um, and so it, it makes... The, the issue is it, the issue is, is that Saturday's game all of a sudden is massive because yeah. you lose on Saturday. And, and the like it is that we, we probably will lose on Saturday, in all honesty. Barnsley have won, what, three in a row against a Reading team who's won, what, now one in ten, I think it is. Yeah, it's really um, Who struggle at home. We've won, I think it's, I think it's uh, 19 games since, since the start of 17-18 at home. We can't win at home. We're just not that good at home for some reason. The, fan, the players don't like playing there. The fans don't come and watch. Barnsley will probably roll us over. And we'll be, what, five points above Barnsley, who are in 23rd? But Mark Bowen was talking about that. Yeah, he was talking about that after the match last night, saying that 
yeah, maybe the Medeski Stadium is, you know, a bit of an issue for some of the players. Oh, for goodness sake. I mean, come on. You play the 23 times the, you play the 23 times a year. If it's an issue for some of the players, don't pick them. This is I don't not get it. a cauldron of hate. It is the Medeski Stadium. You yeah, know? it's very subdued. For, for, very for, subdued. And the problem the, is, maybe, is that you can hear individual people. And I think that gets to people. It definitely has. I remember an incident a couple of seasons ago when McShane was there and he heard some person in the stand and he reacted back to them because you can hear the individual ones. It's not like at a big stadium with a big crowd. Right. You don't have that. But for God, this is Reading. This is Reading. This is not, if you can't deal with the pressure at Reading, never play for a team like Leeds or anything because you'll get absolutely crucified somewhere like that. I feel like that's a it's a very very weak excuse to say that you can't play at home. If you can't if your players are unable to play at home where you're playing half of your matches every season, don't pick them. No. Because we're not it's not a like you say it's not a cauldron of hate. There's not a massive um there's not there's not a massive atmosphere against them particularly. Yesterday was the first time this season really where people have kind of turned against the team, I would say. And we've lost nine games at home this season now. That isn't that's well over half our games this season at home that we've lost, and yet yeah, that's club one eight seven one turned against the players last night. Yes, for the first time, um, definitely, definitely turned against them. 100% and it, it, they went in there. Uh, I, to be honest, I kind of feel like he's probably referring to about three or four players who he's not going to name, um, who struggled to play at home for some reason. Yeah, I mean, you look at after us saying some senior players have gone missing now and doing things I'm not used to seeing from them. And I think, mm, I'm not sure I've seen those senior players that you're talking about do that over a period of years now. Yes. And he hasn't said that because he hasn't been there for that period of time. But I'm really struggling to work out what we're going to do against Barnsley because, like you say, um, Barnsley, I've got to be favourites. They probably won't be with the bookies. I mean, they might be. They should be. But our home form is atrocious. I know that we were 23rd in the table. We're, we're rock bottom at that home table at the minute. I mean, we've got well, one game yeah. less played than a, the num- number of teams. But does it really matter? No, like To me, it doesn't really matter. We're 20, if we were 20th or 24th, it's, it's, all, re- it's all relative. We're, we're bad at home. And we have been for a long time. Um, and to be honest, the the longer term issue of us being bad at home is that eventually the Chinese are going to get fed up, and they are going to they are going to stop putting money into the team. I don't know. I don't know about that one. I don't know what their um, project idea is, but I do know that if we lose against Barnsley, wow. That would be a toxic atmosphere. If you're, on, if you're struggling with the atmosphere the other last night, the Barnsley one's going to eat you up. It really will. Because if they go 1-0 up, the pressure on those players will be immense. Straight away, isn't it? <laughs> yes. We, and the, the, the thing to me is we don't even need a lot this season now. We don't, we, we don't need that much to survive. We probably need five points, really. Um and frankly, if we go on a run now of eight, nine games losing and we don't pick up any points, we deserve to get relegated because that's going to be a quarter of the season like just written off. Um, so I don't, I don't think we'll go down because I think there's too many teams below us who can also drop points. I mean, Charlton are a great example. I mean, they've sunk like a stone since, uh, 
since before Christmas, and they can't seem to they can't seem to buy a win. Um, but all the same, like just talking about Reading only, it's it's just such a massively missed opportunity yesterday. If we'd won yesterday, we were one point off the top half. And instead now everybody's turned around and said, oh, well, we're going to get relegated if we lose on Saturday. And it's like, well, at some point the players have really got to kind of like get a grip of themselves and, and realise that actually, you know, you can't be this bad. You can't be that bad forever. The squad has had a ton of money pumped into it. We pay stupid wages for the championship. And yet they never, they haven't performed again and again and again. Um, yeah. And people are sick of it. No, they are totally sick of it. And I can understand why people aren't going because when you're getting that dished up, and what is the stat, Alex, Phil, when they haven't had midweek matches? It's absolutely. Oh, it's one in 18 since the start of last season. One winner one it was win. in Blackburn last season, which was late winner as well, if you remember with uh, oh, Nelson, Nelson Oliveira. Oliveira. Yeah. yeah. And that was, yeah, that that was, was out for late winner. So, yeah, yeah one, one win in 18 league matches now in midweek, um, which is just ridiculous. They, 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 they must have some kind of issue with playing a Saturday and then a midweek game. Um, fitness. Yeah, it seems obvious, doesn't prep. it? That's too much of a coincidence, isn't it? It's too yeah. much. Yeah. It, it's, there's got to be some, some kind of... Um, there's got to be some kind of correlation there. Whether it's... I, I don't think it's a fitness thing. I think it's probably a preparation thing. I don't think that they're necessarily managing to get enough time in between the two games and actually spending the required time to look at the look at their opponents but it's yeah it's just a very very bad record um i i did notice yesterday paul on social media that there's it probably well i say probably there is a lot of calls all of a sudden that, that bowen shouldn't be here after the summer um anymore and i was wondering yeah. what, what 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 do you think are you still kind of on the fence with bowen or are you still bowing in uh, I'm still uh, kind of on the fence with the situation at the moment because I think um, if we do manage to get a win against Barnsley, I know that's a massive if, um, it can change around pretty quickly. And we realistically probably need absolute maximum three more wins from the rest of the season to stay up. It doesn't seem inconceivable. I know as bad as we were last night, but it wasn't so long ago that we beat Sheffield Wednesday 3-0. And we also played pretty well against Leeds, who were top of the league. And I know you could say we raised our game, but our waveform is pretty good. I think we're ninth or tenth in the away form. So that might keep us up. Um, I don't know. I think senior players are letting him down. And there's only so much a manager can do. Tactically, last night, he had a shocker. I really don't think he had a good game at all. But there's been other times when he's done pretty well. So I think he really needs to convince the fans and convince me that he's the right person going towards the end of the season. He still can, but it's, it's precarious. It's not really, yeah, definitely we should 100% keep him. But it's just so fluctuating in football, isn't it, on form. You just need that one moment of luck. Like last night, if Bulldog scores that goal with five minutes to go, you never know what might happen there. And as a manager, you can't control that dynamic, can you? It's one of those things that the players have to deal with. So on Saturday, if he gets a lucky penalty in the first five, ten minutes or something, we go one nil up, it all changes. So I'm kind of 50-50 at the moment. I'm not like massively in, but I'm definitely not in the out count here. That's fair. I, I think I, I think I'm probably in the same boat as you. I don't really think there's any point in getting rid of him before the end of the season. Um 
you, you kind of just got to give him to the end of the season. The contract extension, which he got, what was it, last month at some point, suddenly looks a bit stupid, maybe. Um, but in football, it's so quick, like the valuations yeah, of people. Exactly. It's, it's, it's very quick to change, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, I think the main... My main my main sticking point for keeping with Bowen is if you change to get rid of Bowen, what do you what do you actually achieve by getting rid of him to bring in somebody else? Well, what uh, have the other managers as... before him done? They've dished up exactly the same. Yeah, um, the players are a big issue here, and also the whole ethos at the club, which goes around everyone involved. It's not just the players; it's everything. There's something fundamentally wrong. I've been saying this, and we've been saying it for the last three years probably now, and we've got away with it to a certain extent, definitely in seasons when there's been a very low points target to stay up. There's some times when we haven't even got near to 50 and we've stayed up. This season, I think you're going to need 50 points to stay up, and I, I think we'd get there, but I'm not certain. I think the my, my main kind of like sticking point at the minute for Bowen to stay is I'd, I'd like to see what he does with them with a pre-season and a little bit of recruitment I know he's had January but we clearly were not no. going to be active in January once they or at least once it looked like we were going to be a mid-table side it didn't necessarily kind of lend itself to going out and spending a, a load of money in January so it would be good to see us create a proper shape over summer hopefully with Bowen and, and bring in some players which actually kind of fit a system that he wants to play. If he wants to play 4-4-2, please go out and sign some wingers. Please. Yeah, I because think you make an important point. We cannot play with that many potential midfielders. I think you make an important point, important point about the uh, January window. It's absolutely clear that Mark Bowen wanted to sign a striker, but he wasn't given the opportunity to sign one. I mean, we ended up with Connor Wickham possibly uh, signing for us. He's we all know we needed so one. Sorry? He's been dreadful for Wednesday. Yeah, so well, that doesn't surprise me. I'm glad he didn't sign because I don't think he would have made it much of an impact anyway. But even before, we, towards the end of the window, Mark Bowen was saying that we need to get a striker in. Not say we need to, give everyone a bit of a boost. So he could see what we needed. But instead, we've gone out and bought Aruna and this Timbe, who who knows what he's like, but I don't think he's going to be the answer at all. Hold of Kenya's backing him, apparently, on Facebook. But... I don't know what we're going to find. We need that striker. We all know that. And I'm not saying we would have had a playoff push or anything like that. But I do feel with a proper striker up front who can fill that jow role, would have picked up a few more points. And we still would have lost last night. I don't think that would have been the answer. But in the other games, maybe when you're 1-0 up against Hull, you can perhaps hold the game a little bit more. I do. I feel like if you had bought a striker in January as well, it does at least give Bowen less of kind of a not an excuse but it gives him a bit more of an opportunity to just kind of build his mold yeah if he, if he, he hasn't wants, had an opportunity at all has he the striker he wants is nowhere near fit no if you if you want to play one up front which seemingly at least away from home he does and we're stuck with either Pushkas, who is not a lone striker or Bulldog who isn't a lone striker either or Mate, who isn't a striker to play up front then you're you're what are you meant to do like you're basically just forced to play a different system um, and but not yes, four four two, Alex. That does not no, work. Not well, we should play. I, I would have no problem with us playing four four two if we had proper wingers, but we don't. So that's why I wouldn't do it because we yeah. haven't got the players uh, to do it. Yeah, I, I'd like to see Boeing get the summer and 
fingers crossed that they managed to sign. Jamal Lowe would have been a fantastic signing given how much uh, he ripped League One apart last season with Portsmouth. Um, he would have been an ideal signing for us this summer had he been available. Obviously, Wigan are not going to be letting him go, uh, even if they get relegated, I would imagine. So that's that's unfortunate. But yeah, two proper pacey wingers who can beat a, beat a man um, because yesterday was just way too slow on the wings and just not it wasn't wide enough there was just no no kind of uh no kind of talent out there on the wings at all yeah no yesterday was just shit wasn't it there's no point in dressing it out wasn't it it's absolutely it's unacceptable when the manager comes out afterwards and says it's unacceptable and you know it's bad and i know he's covering his own ass there i i get how that works that it would have been nice to hear and take some responsibility for last night I have to say, yes, the, the really frustrated me. Coming out yeah. and blaming, coming out and throwing your players under the bus like that is all well and good. But at the end of the day, you pick the team, and yeah. it, we could see from the first five ten minutes the tactics were abysmal. Yeah, um, like yeah. No, he didn't cover himself in glory with that um, post-match interview at all. But I think that's about all we can manage, isn't it? Today, I think otherwise it's just going to be a bit too much and I'm going to end up drinking all day. So um... three, hours, three hours of us complaining about our last night, isn't it? Yeah, it will be. It will be. So, um, yes, God, thanks a lot for listening. It was not the most upbeat one. I have to admit that, but it's what we're feeling at the moment. So hopefully on Saturday, We'll get a win. We'll be able to talk about more positive things on Sunday. I know. I'm dreaming. It might probably won't happen. But here's something. Cheers.